This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen, buddy murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin. So let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's get rowdy and reckless. Just for that. Hello and welcome to another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society and brought to you by Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best damn barbecue sauce in the known universe. Check them out on the web at deadeyebbq.com. You can visit us at thetailgatesociety.com. And please go ahead and check out Old Man Strength on Twitter at Chris. Remind me again what the what the handle is. Uh, you're throwing me for a loop. I should have it right in front of me. <laughs> at Strength underscore Old, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, there's like seven thousand Twitter handles uh, for every idea that you could already have. So, uh, no, I was that's right. What do you know? <laughs> Somebody write that down. Oh, perfect. Oh, fantastic. Well, anyway, I am, uh, if you are not familiar with our podcast by now, I am Tim Johnson, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Chris Shipley. Chris, how are you doing? Doing okay. Not too bad. Thanksgiving time. A lot to be thankful for. Yeah, absolutely. There is a lot to be thankful for, um, which is a good reminder in this year of... 20 cluster F20. I like there's so many <laughs> things going on this year that it's a, it's a good time to be uh, reminded of of everything that is good going on. Uh, man, I I really shouldn't complain. Um, you know, one of the nice things about all of everything that's going on is I don't have to be around people, which is frankly kind of nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I know some people that uh, this social distancing and not leaving your house seems right up their wheelhouse. Like they've been they've been practicing for this for years. Oh yeah, man. I when I was younger, I was a very gregarious, uh, you know, people person. You probably could have thought that I would have been a salesman. I like talking to everyone, and now it's like, man, if you know, if I didn't have a kid, I I would be tempted to go homestead somewhere out in the middle of nowhere idaho go buy an acre and and, and build a, a cabin and learn how to bushcraft or something like that um some days that just seems simpler you know what i mean yeah i could use some simple times yeah uh, absolutely all the stress <laughs> well you know i that that uh that type of mentality I feel like has been been hanging on for me a little bit and that there's just been so much kind of looming 
uh, whether it be in the distance or or just right over my head, kind of every day when I wake up, that there's there's so many things that we kind of have to to think about and think about all of the the choices that that we're going to make or, or the choices that we've even made over the past week. And man, that can that can weigh pretty heavy at times. Yeah, I have a um, I have a problem that I seem to worry um, myself into a fit every once sure. in a while. You know, I, this last weekend I had just a little bit of um, I I don't get typically I don't get depressed, um, sure. but I get melancholy. I think is probably the best word for it sometimes mm-hmm. because I'm wish I was a little better off here. I wish that things were not that I'm in any way stretch your imagination, unhappy with my life, but I'm more, I sit there and think, you know, I wish that things were a little better here. I, you know, I, and it really kind of, um, I was and a lot of it is, is job related because I've had a little bit of, you know, and we've talked about some upheaval and some, some, you know, just not, sure what the future holds or whatever else and then i get a buddy of mine who uh, lives down the street and he texts me this picture of this car uh that he just bought which is a green challenger beautiful car the guy's i don't know probably in his mid-60s and i was like that's the last thing i need to see today is <laughs> you showing me this challenger that you're gonna buy <laughs> when i'm over here working my ass off and wondering whether or not, you know, the job that I have is going to be the same two weeks from now. You know, not that you don't, not that you're not happy for your friend that he's successful and has an amazing looking car and, and so on. But, you know, at that time, then you just start to go, you know, geez, look at all the decisions I made throughout things and, and not regrets, but you just wonder sometimes if, if, you know, a decision here or a decision there would, would, would make a different outcome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a challenge to to. I would challenge anyone to to look at their life and 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 not question what if. I mean, for instance, let's say what if you would have watched Goonies uh, when you should have? Like, how much better your life would be uh, just having watched Goonies or The Princess Bride? I I think. Okay. <laughs> have you been talking to my wife? <laughs> Because I, I, no, I, yeah, I, 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 we, I got off at noon today and we did some stuff. <laughs> and at about three 30, she's like, let's watch Goonies. <laughs> and I was like, and Caitlin's like, yeah, let's watch Goonies. I love that movie. What you've, you've seen that movie. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Well, luckily I couldn't find it anywhere to watch it. Well, first it was going to cost $4 and that's my, you know, I'm paying enough for streaming services, not paying yeah, $4 exactly. to watch them. Oh yeah, for sure. So then we found that Princess Bride was on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if we're going to talk about regrets and mistakes, uh, the mistake that I've now wasted an hour and forty minutes on that debacle of a movie this afternoon. Oh my goodness! It was, it was so bad. It was oh, so bad. First man. of all, first of all, how does she not know that's not her dead husband within five effing minutes? Like, come on. Well, it's not her husband. But yeah, no, of course. But you, ha- there's a willing suspension of disbelief. Like, this is a story being told by Columbo to the kid from Wonder Years. Right. Well, that's <laughs> my first problem. Actually, let's reverse. 
my first problem with that entire movie is that that kid's got a William the Refrigerator parody uh, poster in his in his room, and he's wearing a Walter Payton jersey. You need to pick your loyalties there, kid, because Walter took that. Walter gave up a touchdown for that fat bastard in the Super Bowl, <laughs> and I'm still pissed off about it. And that was 30 years ago. <laughs> so that's my first problem with that movie. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I, I would love the idea of you meeting Fred Savage at like a Comic-Con. And uh, you'd be like, first of all, a huge fan. I love the Wonder Years. Uh, I love everything you've done. But now I have to nitpick something. <laughs> right. You hit a soft spot for me, dude. Oh, man. that's I, I'm not kidding you. That movie was brutal. It was brutal. <sighs> and then at some point, Stacy goes, uh, she's making dinner and, you know, all the grocery shopping we've done for Thanksgiving, we forgot something for tonight's dinner. And I was like, well, I'll go get it. She's like, okay, well, you can stop the movie. And I go, oh, thank God. Oh. And she goes, oh, no, we'll finish it when you get back. <laughs> oh, man. Man, I just, there's just, uh, okay, well, you know what? To each their own. Um, I watched it. I, I mean, you are you are a, a Nickelback and, and Creed fan, so I, I already know that that your taste can be dismissed offhand, uh, <laughs> without exception. So, <laughs> okay, uh, well, um, so this is a this is a terrible segue into what I think we want to talk about tonight, uh, because that is something uh, that you regret is is watching that movie uh and i i don't want to focus maybe on regret um but i think no. tonight what we need to talk about is maybe some of those choices that we have made along the way that maybe we think that we could look back on and approach differently i i know certainly for me i i probably spend way too much time it usually hits me about three in the morning. I've had some weird dream about something that, that has a lot of verisimilitude to my life story. And it, and it, um, it, oh man, it just makes me wish I had an ability to, to change a choice. And I don't, I don't know if that's regret. Is is that regret? I don't know. How do you define regret? Chris? I don't think that's regret. I think that's realizing that you made a mistake and you, if you could go back and correct that you would, Uh um, I think that's part of growing. And I think that's part of trying to do better in your decisions going forward. Sure. I regrets are, I regret that I can't ever say that I regret something because I don't know. I don't necessarily know that if I would have made a different decision, things would have been better. Right. It's the whole um, kind of butterfly effect. If, if but I, I do think that there's between, instances yeah. where I wish that I could have handled things in a different way. Looking back now, knowing that, that that was a better way to handle it. I think there's a difference there. Yeah, no, and I don't know. I mean, this is probably just a semantic thing. I I had a friend uh, that used to say all the time, I don't regret anything because every decision that I made made me who I am today. And, you know, on the one hand, I I think I understand what they were getting at. But on the other hand, I was kind of like, well, that's bullshit. 
are you perfectly happy with who you are today? Because first of all, not that anyone shouldn't have self-confidence or be proud of who they are. Uh, but I also think everyone should probably always be striving towards self-improvement. Um, and part of learning from your mistakes is acknowledging your mistakes and correcting your behavior. And I think it's okay to kind of wish you would have exhibited different behavior at the time. And so, I mean, if that is how you define regret, then I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that I, I live my life with regrets. Um, you know, I think sometimes when people say I want to live my life with no regrets, it's that they don't, they don't want to live a life where they say, I wish I would have you know, done something braver or bolder or whatever. I, or I wish I would have spent more time with my kids or I wish I would have whatever. But I think it's okay to, to, to look back, not dwell on, but look back at what you've done. Um, I think there's, there's something healthy to look, looking back at a situation and acknowledging what you could have or should have done better because that's going to help inform a better decision for you in the future. Right. Yeah. I, because I, what happens is, is that it, you, the decision that you made before the next time you make a decision that may involve that particular person or that particular instance, you are now blinded and compounded by that prior decision. And it can either snowball in a certain way or it can get worse or it can get better. Right. I think you have to come back and step back and look at every decision independently and try not to focus on that. That's really hard to do, though, when you know deep in your heart that the decisions that you made have affected somebody that you love and care about in a certain way. That doesn't take away the personal responsibility that that person has. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, ultimately, there's a personal decision there that they have to make. But, and I'm speaking specifically of, of being a father. Mm-hmm those decisions mold your kids. Yeah. I, and I think, I think that's probably where most of those things where I say that I feel regret, um, and look back at decisions I made and and how they set me in the path that I'm on today. Uh, you know what, right, wrong or indifferent. I made the decisions as that was fine. That affected me. But I think the big things that that weigh on me aren't the things that affected me. It's how they affect my kid or how they affected my family or my other relationships. And I think those are the things that that probably I spend more time dwelling on is, uh, you know, all of my if onlys really are how I impacted others. What was the the imprint that I left on their lives or you know, still to this day and continue to leave on their, their lives or maybe even choices that I made in the past that haven't come to roost, but I know will eventually be a problem. Right. So I think that's a whole different kind of, of man, we need to come up with a different word than regret, but it's a, it's a word that says I acknowledge the mistakes that I have made and the impact that they have had. Is there, is there a word for that? There's probably like some German or Yiddish word. It always seems like when there's a word for this stuff, it's either German or Yiddish. So it's like the, one of those things where there's a word for that feeling. I I don't know. Do you remorse? I think is probably closer to that. Remorse? remorse. Yeah, maybe. Um, 
because I, I have a lot of that. And, and re what remorse comes with, that I think, is sadness. Sure. Because you can't sure. go back and change it. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we we have talked a lot about um, <clears throat> our kids and our family and 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 you know silly things that we've done and 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 things like that but um there are times where i sit there sometimes and are really remorseful of some of the decisions that i made uh in regards to my oldest and sure. that's because sometimes i i give myself a break and go listen i've never been a at the time that that happened i was never uh I didn't know what it took to be a 25 year old father with a little baby. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that when I was 40, uh, what it was like to be a father at 40 when that kid was 15, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. I, I've never been in that position. I'm never going to be in that position next week on, on Friday, which I think is when this podcast comes out, I turned 50 years old. I'll never be 50 and know what it's like to to raise or to help a 25-year-old. I just don't. Yeah. No, no yeah, you've so, mentioned that in the past that 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 your first kid is a victim of your inexperience for the rest of their life. It's, you know what I mean? It's right. not like it's not like oh well, you know, once I have a couple of kids under my belt, I got this figured out. It's like no, every single step you make along the way. And I think that's one thing um you know, I've I've said before that the the whole idea of of the biggest lie I believed growing up is that someday I would feel like an adult. Uh, it's because every step along the way, it's still new and you're still learning and you still feel confused. There might be so many things that throughout your your career, you know, you felt scared at first, but once it became old hat and you figured out how to do this and and you know you've kind of mastered it and now you can tell everyone else and whatever but no matter how old you get your relationship with your oldest child is the first time you've ever encountered that and exactly it, and you know the entire pace of of the world and the entire culture changes and and you're kind of along for the ride and for better or for worse, your kid is dealing with your inability to kind of change with that or your ability to change, but you just don't know, you know, you're new. You're you're still finding your legs. In a lot of ways, you're constantly learning how to walk in a new path. I would address and I would I would take certain decisions if they were presented to me now. In regards to my oldest, mm -hmm. knowing what I know now, and a lot of people will say that, I would make completely different decisions because I realize now what I'm what I am dealing with. Mm -hmm. And we can put all the cards on the table. I've said several times that I'm an open book when you and I talk on this podcast. Uh, and I will probably throughout the course of the night say it incorrectly and it's not any reflection of of who he is but tyler who is my oldest was born and i named her taylor mm -hmm. uh 
he's transgender. Um, there was a lot of transition that I didn't understand and frankly didn't see. Um, so as we talk about it tonight, I will probably slip up and say her. Mm -hmm. I will probably slip up and say she. Mm -hmm. I will probably slip up and say Taylor. Not because I don't love him mm -hmm. and I don't support who he is and who mm -hmm. he was born as. It's because as as and I almost did it there, as his dad, mm -hmm. since the time I held her as a baby, that's always been tailored to me. Yeah. And when we're together and I call him Taylor, he doesn't get mad at me. He understands. Uh -huh. Dad, it's fine. I know what you mean. You know, just when you're introducing me to people or whatever, just will you please make an effort to call me Tyler? So I do. Um, so if you want to talk about remorse, raising him in the way that I did, not realizing what decisions I made that may have affected how he developed and he was comfortable with who he was is really hard for me. And there are times that I think I'm a complete failure and it doesn't matter who tells me different. It doesn't matter how many times I've been told that that's not the case. I know deep in my heart that if I would have understood better who he was, and what he needed, he wouldn't have so much trouble today. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Chris, that, that's something that, you know, you've kind of caught yourself on a couple of other times here. And I, I very much appreciate uh, your sincerity. And, and again, you know, man, I've said this a billion times that you're such an open book. Um, but I, I don't know. As much as myself, I say whatever my child feels is their truth in the future. Um, you kind of the reality is is you get kind of used to, you know, you prepare yourself for for certain things, right? Uh, and I think maybe that's something that we need to get better about just in general as a society is that you prepare yourself to be a girl dad or a boy dad or whatever. And, and you know, your, your mind gets, you know, into all this. And, and it wasn't a thing, uh, when, when, when Tyler was born, but, but, you know, gender reveal parties and all of these things. And it, like, we put very much an emphasis on, on these things. Um, and I don't know how old, uh, Tyler was when he kind of, uh, revealed his identity to you uh but i'm i mean you i'm guessing you spent years and years understanding him um as he was as you know what you thought when he was born and not necessarily recognizing what his identity is as as he identifies today and so it's that's a lot to kind of unwork in your brain yeah. like that's learned behavior and i'm not i'm not saying that to to you know give you an excuse but just the reality is that that's just that's what 
that's what you knew. That's what you were set up as. And so, um, uh, you know, I applaud you for, for recognizing that, but I also, I, I recognize that that has to be, um, uh, you know, I get, I guess why, why you get caught up and you sometimes say, say the wrong things. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, kudos to you for that. Um, you, you know, what I'm going to say is not an excuse, but it's the truth. I was never a father of a kid who was transgender. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that was. And I didn't know. Was it a phase? Was it all the other things that happened? Uh, you know, the, the earliest that I can remember was... Um, Probably middle school, mm-hmm. I think maybe at that time, middle school for the, for for Tyler was seventh and eighth. They would go to grade school K through six. And I remember she he see, see that's how hard it is. That's, yeah, and that's yeah, honestly sure. that's because now I'm remembering at a time when it was Taylor. Yeah. Um would come home from school and there was a girl at school and, and and Tyler was always very, very, as a kid was very loving, right. Would always want to give hugs and kisses and would always want to cling to me or cling to her mom or be with grandpa or, you know, I, I can't remember. We were at the store one time we were shopping and he was in the stroller and this other lady walked up and had a baby in the stroller and Taylor was trying to get out of the, stroller to try to go over there and give the kid a hug, you know, and the kid was terrified. And I was like, you know, like, holy smokes, kid, you you know, you can't hug everybody. So, but she would write this girl's name on her notebook all the time because she so badly wanted to be friends with this girl and so badly wanted to be friends with this girl that it kind of freaked the girl out. Sure. And, you know, at that time, middle school girls are, they're freaking brutal. Like they are brutal individuals. Oh, oh, you know, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. So, I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm planning on being Amish before my daughter has to go through any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I didn't think anything of it other than the fact that she just wanted a friend. She was friendly. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, I think that was probably tendencies of the fact that she was attracted to that. Sure, and. Of course, the kids teased her mercifully mm-hmm. that she, you know, of course, then would label her. Oh, well, you're gay. You must be bi because you like girls. And of course, Taylor would fight it and come home crying because people were calling her names mm-hmm. to the point where then she would start to take on that persona of that's what she was. Sure. And then I worried okay, well, are you acting like that? Because that's just what everybody says you are. Like, I, you know, you, yeah, you need, yeah. you know, is it like a self-fulfilling prophecy type right. of thing? Okay. Right. So like just are because you... people are calling you, that doesn't mean that's who you are. And, sure. and, and if I'm going to be honest, part of that was, I didn't want her to be obviously sure. for sure. at that time, selfishly, because I, I had, this is going to sound really terrible. And, but this is a good example of who I am now, as opposed to then, what a terrible, terrible father I was thinking, I don't want her to be that because I have all these plans and dreams for her. Sure. Right. Well, and, uh, I, and I think some of that too is just because, because 
you can look at that and recognize that it is a more challenging life, right? And yes. you want you want right. your life for your child to be easy. And yes, it is very selfish and it is narrow-minded and it is not fair to think that way. Right. All but those I, things. But I can absolutely also understand that you just want you want things to be easy for your child. Yes. And I, sometimes you get yes. so clouded by that desire for things to be easy for your child that you miss out on what the right thing is. Yes. Because you think wanting what's easiest for your child is the right thing that you 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 get lost in what the the right thing is. I, and, I yeah. And even then I wasn't I I've never ever in my life been anti-gay or anti um gay marriage, any of those things. I've never been that way. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I want, didn't want her to be that because I didn't believe in it or I didn't think that it was possible. Yeah, was it, it, it wasn't it was, a moral failing. Right. It was, it was yeah. because I just didn't want her to have that struggle and that hard life. And I was really blinded by the fact that I thought she was just confused mm-hmm. because Shortly after that, her mother and I got divorced and, you know, who knows she's acting out because of, because of that, you know, I, and she was getting picked on at school and made fun of and all those things. And, you know, in my mind, I thought she's just gravitating to that because there's kids there that are like that, that are sympathetic for her. You know, that's really what I thought. Um, but, uh, and it was hard for me to, and we would have, she would come home and she'd be like, uh, dad, I, I get picked on all the time and and they make fun of me because I'm, because I'm gay and so on and so on. And I would go, no, you know, maybe, maybe because she wouldn't, she would struggle with like taking a shower or wearing the same clothes all the, every, every time and, and didn't want to take care of herself. And I would say, Taylor, maybe <laughs> I'd say, you know, if there's two bisexual girls going to that school and one of them dresses in clean clothes every day and washes their hair and takes care of themselves. And you're walking in there looking like you just rolled off the street, like a bum. That's probably why they're making fun of you. Mm-hmm. Again, I look back now realizing some of the mental challenges that she has. Jesus Christ, Chris, she was depressed and probably sad of all the things that were running through her body that she didn't know who she was. And she had all these confused feelings and she that's what depression is. They don't want to take a shower. They don't want to dress right. And here I am hammering her for it. What a terrible father I was. I mean, that's 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 something that I've learned over my life that I had to, whether it be for my family members or my loved ones or my friends, and really for myself, is to just understand and accept and acknowledge that the mental often manifests itself in the physical. Right? So... Yeah the challenge you're going through emotionally or with your mental health, which I, I I actually separate emotional health from mental health because they are, they're related, but they're distinct things in my mind, right? Like uh, you can be doing all the right things for your emotional health and you can be in a good place emotionally and a bad place mentally. And I think that's something that people struggle with understanding. Uh, And I'm certain that, that, when Tyler was younger, he probably struggled with that too, was understanding what his own emotions were 
And, you know, just because he might be happy on this day doesn't mean he's in a good place mentally or vice versa. He might actually have a really good mental health day, but be just in a funk. And they're they're two different things. And then so that alone is a challenge. And then now you add into, well, again, man, I mean. He's a teenager. There's hormones running wild. There's there's right. so many physical things going on. The physical aspect is yet a whole other thing to get wrapped into all of that. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I I don't fault you, Chris, for not understanding that. Um, and I I if anything, I appreciate that you have now been able to take the lens and look at that and realize, oh shit, I was. I was missing the forest for the trees on this one. Right. Right. And that's, that's a good example of that remorse that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. I know I can't go back and change it. I know that those decisions that I made have molded him into having some of the troubles that he's had now. Sure. I know that again, that doesn't, that doesn't, and we can talk, we'll get to this later, but that doesn't alleviate from some of the decisions that he's made since sure, then sure sure and our personal responsibility that he has to take care of that i sh- i as his dad shouldn't have to bail him out of all the time um but and you know the the kids parents were divorced they were going to divorce that's hard enough on a kid then then realizing who you are and what you are and that your body isn't what you thought it you should be born with and yeah, and all not- these things i mean that's i i can't imagine what that would go through and 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 i eventually did uh, and about that time, about a year later is when I met Stacy and Stacy, uh, and, and, and I got married and we became a family and, and that was very helpful, um, mm-hmm. because he finally had a stable mom in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mom was, um, I don't know. I, uh, she loves them in, in their own way, in her own way. But she also is just, she's not motherly. Sure. She's just not. Sure. I mean, we, we'd be married and she would be more concerned about wanting, you know, she'd be going to the grocery store and she'd stop and pick up the phone and call the neighbor and see if the neighbor needed anything. But she'd be damned if she asked me if there was anything she could do for me. That sure. kind of a, you know what I mean? Or her yeah. kids. Yep. You know what I mean? It was, she was more worried about everybody else's outside opinion of, she was more busy playing mom than being mom. Mm -hmm. I, I, and, and I, that's the truth. And when I met Stacy, the girls finally got a mother and, uh, that, that also added to my anxiety when, when in regards to Tyler, because, uh, Stacy is an absolutely 100% amazing woman and mother and wife. Um, she's also, her family is also very stout Catholic. Sure. And that worried me of how they would accept Tyler. Yep. Um, because I didn't want them to not like her or him. And, you know what I, I think, mean? And, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I I can imagine. It, well, I can imagine, but like from from Tyler's perspective, right? So Tyler has now spent most of his life feeling 
probably, I, I think the best word, and this is not a fault for you or his mom or his stepmom or his classmates, but it's betrayal, right? So first of all, he feels betrayal because his own, he doesn't feel at home in his own body. Yep. And now he doesn't feel at home in how the school system and his classmates have to view him. He doesn't feel uh, at home and uncomfortable in the life that you guys have kind of just assumed and just kind of planned that he's going to be in, right? And right. so he's already kind of feeling betrayed by all of that. And now he has to deal with, you know, the parental separation. And now, you know, you, you know, new, f- new family and new kind of awkwardness and, and, I would imagine that he has to be feeling through every kind of step of this uh, a tremendous amount of insecurity, right? Um, uh, and there I don't many... say... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't I don't say this to say, man, Chris, you should have done X, Y, and Z. I say this to be like, holy shit, I don't know how... Like, Again, it's your... It, it doesn't matter if this is your first kid or your 15th kid. This is a challenging situation, but like for your first, like you don't even know, you can't even begin to know what to do to give him uh, the confidence or the feeling of, of support in a way that maybe he needs. Right. The only thing that I ever could find that would give myself comfort was to look him in the face and tell him, it doesn't matter to me. I always will love you. Mm-hmm. It, none of that ever mattered to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, as I think sometimes as a dad and as a man, you just want to fix something, right? And there's yeah. just some things you can't fix. You know, Caitlin and I, Caitlin gets mad at me sometimes because she'll call me and she'll, you know, be upset about something or whatever. And I'll be like, well, you need to do this. And then you do this. And then you do that. And she's like, dad, you got it. I don't, like you, I'm not asking you, you to fix it. You just made you know? it worse, Chris. Yeah, right. I know. And all I, I want to do you know, partially because yeah. I'm like, I, I've got the answer for you. If you just fucking listen to me, we, then we wouldn't, I wouldn't have to listen to you a bitch for 15 minutes on the phone. Well, that's, that's uh, why we have this podcast. Right. Uh, she would just listen. Yeah. Caitlin, um, just shut up and listen to your dad. As always. Oh my God. You know, she's going to be back with her mom in a little bit. I might have her come on. You can tell her that. No, I she was no. super pissed when she found out I was going to talk about Tyler tonight and not her. And I was like, well, uh, listen, uh, you you got plenty of playtime here, so you got plenty of airtime. <laughs> I was gonna say, I've already thanked her for being like our third loyal listener. Uh, right? She's gonna hate, she's gonna hate me now that I told her to shut up and listen to you. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we would get we we got Tyler a lot of counseling, and that mm-hmm. did help in the in the medicine. But then you know we enter into that teenage years where she knew everything. He knew everything. You know what I mean? And now we're on top of that. And so that, and then we moved uh, his senior year, we moved to Norwalk uh, away from uh, his friends and whatever. So that was a challenge, you know, to go here to his senior year and, and try to get through high school. And I, I think that, that was, that was like right before his senior year. So like he, he did three years of high school, one high school and one year at, at Norwalk or yeah, he, he, yeah. So he did, he did three years at Lincoln in Des Moines. Okay. Uh, so, so Stacy and I married, uh, in, um, 2011. Okay. 
Uh, so I think Tyler had just, well, Tyler was 13 when, when, when Stacy and I had met. Uh, so he was 15 when, when we got married. So he, I think he just finished his freshman year. So, but so, so he also, but these are also some of the same, I mean, it, I know it's Des Moines school system and a little bit larger, but some of these kids, he'd probably been around for most yes. of his life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a, that's yeah. a pretty that big uprooting. Yeah, that was an upheaval too. But part of that too was is he was really struggling mm-hmm. in school. He mm-hmm. he was in some special classes, and he and I, and I think there again, if we want to go back and talk about remorse, um, there were a lot of I think learning disability issues that Tyler has sure. that were never picked up. Sure, um, that I didn't know enough to to pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, Stacy certainly did. Because she's a teacher, yeah. But at that point, I think we were too far in, and she and and she was getting some help and getting an IEP and things like that. But you know, she's got to want it too. He's got to want it too. And and I think a lot of that was just he just wanted to coast and just get through high school, um, which you know is not any different than probably seventy five percent of the other teenagers or myself. <laughs> I was gonna say, for, for Pete's sake, he has a dad that didn't even know he was gonna graduate when he graduated. <laughs> that was college. <laughs> By the way, that was college. <laughs> I knew I was graduating high school. That was college. And in my defense, but, there was a late science class in science <laughs> as clearly 79, 73,000, 73 million people in the country believe isn't a real fucking thing. So, <laughs> Oh, God, that's brilliant. Okay. So, but anyway, so, you know. To to kind of like bring this into a lot of what we've been talking about, though, um, Chris, is that this has been a situation that I think part of one of the things I wanted to get at is that you don't have to feel remorse over things that are just things that you knew better. Like I think of a lot of mistakes that I have made that I knew better, right? Um uh, you know, mistakes, whether it be with, you know, um, my relationship with, with my now ex-wife where it's like, you know what? I do recognize that I was, I was, uh, a jerk about X, Y, and Z, or, you know, even just, you know, my daughter's younger, but even I think about mistakes I've made with her where I knew better. That's one thing. It's a whole other type of remorse where, you didn't know better, but you still feel remorse because the you cost- now know better and you kind of wish that you had the same intelligence to be able to approach that. You know what I, you know what I'm yes. saying? Like there's a different yes. thing. You, you're more angry at yourself because you didn't know that 10 years ago. Yeah. That's, I think for me is what I'm, I, when I sit here sometimes and say, I, I, I God, I'm I've completely and utterly fucking failed. Mm-hmm. It's more anger that I should know better. I like, I'm a smart guy. Why didn't I know that 10 years ago? Why didn't yeah. I see that 10 years ago? Yeah. That's, I think is what is bothersome the most for me as a father, when you talk about things like that. And I still, I, I listen, I'm not, I've never been a father to two step kids that have special needs either. Mm-hmm. I make mistakes all the time with those boys. Sure. I love them like they're mine. I, they're, uh, to me, they are my sons. 
and I've said this before, they have a wonderful father. And when I say things like that, that's not a disparaging remark on him. Uh, but I, I'm their dad. I'm with them every day. And I make mistakes with them every day. But you know what? I do what I what, what my dad always did for me. My dad would yell at me or he would get angry at me or he would he would discipline me or whatever. But there wasn't a night that went by that he didn't pull me out or or have me come back out to the living room and give me a hug and tell me how much he loved him and how that hurt him more than it hurt me. Yeah. And there would be times when I'd be like, dad, that's fucking bullshit because that, that fucking hurts. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like the backhand to the chest. I've got a welt. Yeah. No, (laughs) no, not saying that I do that to the boys, but I'm saying that's, I'm still going to make those mistakes. I, I I think about that a lot because, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, as much as you've been uh, uh, honest about who Melvin was and who Melvin wasn't, um, uh, you and I have both talked about how we kind of are kind of always measuring ourselves against our dads, right? Um, we're always kind of measuring. And, and so... One of the best things that kind of ever happened uh, recently. So I've been divorced for not yet two years now, right? Um, And you know that going through a divorce, whether it was, you know, something you wanted or didn't or, you know, uh, something you knew was the right thing at the time or you didn't know or whatever, you know that when you're going through a divorce – it leads to a lot of self-doubt, right? No one ever gets married thinking they're going to get divorced. No one has kids thinking, well, I'm probably going to get divorced after this kid is born. And so there's a lot of of self-doubt when you're going through that process. And the weirdest thing, I think, when I was going through a divorce uh, was that I felt like... An, this doesn't make any sense. It, it might make sense to you. You might you might actually kind of agree with this. Uh, but the weirdest thing when I was going through a divorce is that I felt like I was letting my parents down. Um, yeah. Because because it felt like, first of all, I mean, my my parents have been together for for uh, shoot close to 50 years uh but just just the idea that uh uh you know because like when you get married and your parents that my dad was my best man at my wedding um and so it was very much this uh this just feeling like i'm not living up to kind of what i promised i would do when i got married and so when you're going through all of uh, that, there's just kind of this so much self-doubt. And then you kind of look at how you're handling that with your kid or how you're uh, instructing your kid. And you feel like I felt <laughs> it's weird throughout my divorce. It was like, I let my parents down. I let my daughter down. I knew even though she initiated it, I was letting my ex-wife down. I was letting myself down, but it was really my parents and my daughter. And my parents at one point 
kind of, you know, when I was going through all this stuff, they're like, Tim, you don't know how imperfect we are. You, you've never, like, as much as you've probably hated us for this or you've hated us for that or whatever, it's like, you don't know half of the stuff because we don't tell you all of our imperfections, right? So right. all of the things that you think we're imperfect for, there's probably seven other things that we're imperfect for that we didn't even tell you about. Yeah. Or that you weren't even privy to. And again, I'm not, not that my parents are lying to me or they aren't open books or whatever, but it's, it's some of those things where all of those moments of self doubt that you have, you're not necessarily telling your kids that, right? Yeah. All right. of the things that you've ever done wrong, you know, all your kids that you have a great relationship with, whether it's, you know, Tyler or Caitlin or the boys, you don't constantly tell them every time that you felt like a shitty dad. I mean, you might apologize for them for, hey, I recognize I, I did right. this wrong, I did that wrong. But there's a billion other times where you probably felt like a shitty dad, but it wasn't really ever a conversation or acknowledged type of thing. And it was a good thing to hear from my parents that they said that they kind of uh, – I. They just helped me realize uh, that um, that mistakes happen when you're a parent in a way that you never kind of acknowledge to your kids. Uh, it, it's it's just different. I don't I don't I can't quite explain it, but I think I think you get it. I get it. Yeah, because you and you. Well, I think part of it is is that you're in your eyes, your parents are. Um, the standard that you live up to. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, sure. I saw my parents argue and fight and whatever, but my parents, uh, I think were married 52 years, you know, uh -huh. and they, they lost a, they lost a son when he was two or three. Uh, -huh. uh you know, they went through a lot of heartache and a lot of travesty, a lot of, a lot of arguments, a lot of, you know, financial hardships, whatever else. So, yeah, when you're going through divorce and I went through my divorce because of what happened and I think to myself, God damn, my parents were made it 52 years and I can't make it X number of years because of this reason and that reason. Yeah. And then you start to think, am I getting divorced because I want to be selfish? You know, I, I, I initiated the divorce from my wife uh -huh. um, and I can remember, even though I wanted to be divorced because of what happened. I remember distinctly one night, um, the girls were gone. Uh, I don't, I don't know where my ex-wife was. Um, I sat in a dark room in the basement for four hours, crying my eyes out because of what I was doing to my family. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not an easy decision. And like, I, even though I knew it was the right decision. Yeah. Like I knew I, I, I was a miserable son of a bitch, Tim. I was mm -hmm. miserable. Mm -hmm. And I was I was angry all the time and I treated my kids terribly. I wasn't a good father to them. I definitely wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good person and I just didn't like who I was. And yeah. I'm not saying that it was my ex-wife's fault, but But it was it was a bad situation it to was be a bad in. Situation to be in. It was not a healthy relationship to be yep. in. Yep. And I knew deep down somewhere there was a better person out there for, there was a better person that I was inside. And the only way to get there was to start over. Yeah. And to start and that, focusing on my kids and, and not me. But that's scary as shit, Chris. Absolutely. It is. 
Absolutely. Listen, we had we had mutual friends. We had we we have mutual friends still to this day that were our best friends. We would hang out as couples with all of our kids every weekend for years. Yeah. And 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 all and and you know what? Three of those couples, uh, four of those couples, still married today. Yeah. And and uh, that was really hard because I was the one that was going to break up my marriage. I was the one that was going to end our marriage. And you know, to this day, they still associate with my ex-wife more than more than times than not. And I'm very good friends with them. And and there's not anything that will change that ever. They are my dearest friends, but they. But some of their wives are much closer to my ex-wife than they are to my current wife. And they don't they don't mistreat my current wife. We just yeah. don't have a lot in common anymore. And there are times where I will see where they're having a party, or whatever, and my ex-wife is over there. And and I'll and that hurts me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that's that but not not to the point where I'm more hurt because I haven't done a better job myself of being a better friend to ensure that I'm involved in their life. Oh yeah. No, no, for sure. It's not them. Right. And I don't expect them to not be friends with my ex-wife. I, I can't think of a good reason why anybody would be, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, but no, I, no, I get that. Like my, my old neighborhood. So we used to literally have, we called it the four corners caucus. When I rebuilt my fence in my backyard, we put in a high top table where the four fences meet so the four of us guys could go meet we had a cowbell and if you rang the if two people were together you rang the bell to make sure that that the other two came out yeah we would, we would always think and i still like i'll go ice fishing with those guys i'll go river fishing with those like i'll still do that and i don't know if they've gotten to know my my ex-wife's boyfriend who, you know, who, who lives in the house. I don't know what that right. relationship is because they're not going to tell me and I'm not going to, you know, right. yeah. whatever. Uh, and you know, it, it's fine. Like, like my, the guys, the guy down the road, um, his daughter is in school in this exact same class, not just grade, but class with my daughter. Right. And so I know that, that my ex-wife and, and, and Eliza's mom hang out and talk and all these things. And then Chris and I talk and it's, it is weird. Um, and it does still give you kind of a sense of, you know, we said regret, we said remorse. There's another word where it's, it's not real doubt. Mm-hmm. But there's a tinge of doubt there, right? Yeah. Where you 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 or know I hope they don't like them better than they liked them. <laughs> yes. Right. 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 right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's petty and it's stupid and it's whatever, yep. but there's still a little bit of this that you can't help but it's very petty. It, it it's it's no, very it is. but but it's there and it's something that you need to acknowledge. And, you know, when we talk about uh, the relationship you have with other people, part of that is acknowledging your kind of like your, it's kind of like what you were talking about earlier with your relationship with Tyler. Part of that was this, I'm going to say petty idea of what it was like to raise a daughter and now have a son. Right. right. It, there's, there's a pettiness to that. Yes. Um, that 
you forget that this relationship is not this transactional relationship that's all about me. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's not so, always about you, right? Yeah. That's, I, and, that, and that's where I go back to th- those four friends. You know, uh, Randy, Brian, Jeff, and Mark are some of my dearest friends. Mm-hmm. They've been friends for probably 30 years. Uh, when I got sick three years ago, all of them showed up at the hospital. When my dad passed away nine years ago, they were all at the funeral for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I picked up the phone today and said, Hey, let's play some cards this weekend. They would be over there and we would laugh and joke. Like we had seen each other every weekend. Yeah. So when I see them sometimes, um, at, at somebody's house or whatever, and I didn't, I, and I wasn't able to make it or whatever. And I see pictures of them with my ex-wife and her boyfriend. Uh, am I jealous? I'm only jealous because I'm missing out on time with my friends, not because right. that they are not because they are with them sure. instead of me. It's because God damn it. I like hanging out with those guys and I've missed yet another opportunity to see my friends. Yeah. That's I, what that is. And, and I would say that, that I've even passed up opportunities that I should have taken with my friends. Even, yes. opportunity, even opportunities with like, they've invited me to be involved, but because I knew I would be feeling kind of this, this, uh, jealousy that why can't I have this more often? Mm-hmm. Um, that <laughs> I shouldn't have passed it up, but I, I, you know, you, you right. get into your own feelings and you get into your own pettiness and you, you focus on all of the wrong things. I, I'm going to say something that you will probably yet again on this podcast say, okay, this is the last fucking episode because I can't talk to you anymore. (laughs) I, you're going to think this coming out of left field, but it's not. I fucking hate fishing. I hate fishing with a passion. Somebody should shoot me in the head before I ever want to go fishing again. No, you know what? That being said. I love every fishing. Year, You're an idiot, but that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> every year, we would go on a fishing trip with with my friends. Yeah, just the guys. We would go right. somewhere in Iowa, go for four days, fish, yeah. drink, whatever. Yeah, uh, I haven't went for like six years, uh-huh. six or seven years, just because I'm either busy or things have fallen by the wayside. Whatever. Yep. This last April, they invited me again. Yeah. Dude, so excited to go. I was ready to go. And then this fucking COVID thing hit and I was devastated mm-hmm. because we couldn't go. But I was so excited that I got invited again to go and was going to go. And, and I was, there wasn't a thing that was going to stop me. I mean, I was going. Yeah. Um, so those things will always come back, right? Yep. But when we talk about regrets or remorse, there's remorse there sometimes because, again, my fault. I don't make a better effort at certain things. You didn't those nurture those. Be. You didn't nurture those relationships more. Right. And, and so now, now that, now that you're missing it, uh, you're yeah. kind of recognizing that you didn't do a good enough job of nurturing that before. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yep. No, I, I absolutely, I, I get that. Um, well, you know what, man? Uh, we should probably take a break. We have a ton of of stuff. I think we could we could still cover, but we've already kind of talked for quite a bit. Uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, take a word from our sponsor? Uh, again, I want to 
uh, give a shout out to Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce. Uh, if you have not had Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce, man, Chris just picked up a smoker. Uh, I think he is going to really even appreciate them that much more. I think probably one of the pieces of regret that he has is that he has not had that smoker earlier and learned uh, the brilliance of of that Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce on some brisket ribs. Uh, but uh, doing pork belly next week. Oh, on my birthday. Oh, that is that is absolutely a good start, man. I know I appreciate that. So anyway, we'll take a word from from our sponsor, Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce, and we will be back in about thirty seconds. Back when I started Dead Eye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great and Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard. And there was no way we weren't gonna do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at deadeyebbq.com. All right, welcome back to Old Man Strength, in case you got short-term memory loss in the last 30 seconds and didn't know what you were listening to. Uh, if you blacked out and forgotten who we are, I am Tim Johnson, joined again by Chris Shipley. Uh, when we left off, we were talking about uh, some of the, the, again, it's not regrets, it's, it's, it's maybe remorse, it's just some of the mistakes that we've made. Um, some of the things that we've done that we wish we had, I don't know. Is it, is it a do over or do over is a thing that I always think about, uh, that scene in, uh, city slickers. Do you know what I'm talking about? Please. God yes. damn it. Chris, tell yes. me you've seen city slickers. Yes. I've For seen all of them. City slickers, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So in let me get city- you hot, Bill. Price check on aisle nine. <laughs> I need a price on aisle nine. I can't believe Bruno Kirby passed away. By the way. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. The I think I think God. I, I, first of all, it probably dates me just the fact that I'm referencing City Slickers. It dates me even more that I'm referencing City Slickers fondly. Uh, and third, because I'm identifying with the guy uh, who is going through a midlife crisis, right. and, and Billy Crystal says your whole life is a do-over. Like when you <laughs> when you when you hit it, you hit the ball, uh, you know, over the neighbor's fence. You get a do-over, and your right. whole life is a do-over. So I no, I I get that. Like like there's this weird part of me where it's not not something I actively wish for. It does kind of sneak into my subconscious every now and then. I I find I'm not I'm not a believer in like dreams mean things, but they are kind of like a mental house cleaning of all the shit that's been in your brain forever. And and sometimes my my dreams do kind of go back into the the what if territory or or you know thinking about the past. Um, so I get that whole idea of man. If I had a do-over on life, I mean, like even before we started, Chris, I I had said, you know, 
if life were different, I would homestead in the middle of Idaho, off the grid, you know, that type of thing. So, like, I like I get the mentality of, man, if only, right? And that's that's a that's a tempting and dangerous area to play in, right? Yeah, I think so. We, as we've talked tonight, and we've talked about regret or remorse or do-overs or what have you. I think, I think I might backtrack a little bit and say there might be some things that, yeah, if I could go back and change, I would. Right? Mm-hmm. Certain decisions, yes. Would I change the fact that I got married to my first wife? No. Mm-hmm. Because then I wouldn't have Taylor and Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Do I wish that I would have made the decision to get out of that unhealthy relationship sooner? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. And if I could go back and change that, I would. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, do I wish that I would have recognized Tyler's um, experiences and what she needed beforehand? Yes, I wish I could go back and change that, right? Not because I think that it would make her not gay. It, I think because then she would be a better adult now and being able to handle those things than she is right now. No, I no, I so I think I think that's 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 a fair uh, point, and you know you you struggle with with the the gender pronouns and and all of those things uh because it's still so so um how long ago was it that that Tyler told you you know dad this is how i identify and this is what I would like you because it does seem like for all of the challenges you've had with him, that he is understanding of your struggles. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Like, like for, for all of the, the, the kind of the bullshit that he's put you through at the same time, he also, there's a certain amount where he realizes that you are doing the best you can for who you are. Right. So how, how, how long has I- that been? I think he's appreciative of that. It, he he was 13 when he told me that he was not just didn't like girl. I mean, that he was either bisexual uh, at the time. He, he felt that he was bisexual uh-huh. um, and then has trying to moved into understanding that he's transgender and he's really a male. So so wh- um, when, do, when do you think because full on decided I'm really a male i would say probably in the last four years is when he has really come to understanding who he is and he wasn't just a girl who was bisexual because uh, because there's a difference gender and sexuality uh can be fluid uh there's a large spectrum but there is you know i think for better or for worse, there are kind of some discrete units sometimes where we look at these things. And I think uh, particularly for you to uh, kind of understand how to approach uh, your own son, uh, yep. I think 
you know, you, you've kind of had to, to, to learn those things. And, and it seems like it's still, uh, I mean, frankly, it's still an ongoing thing, right? Yeah, it, it is. And, and I will, and as I've said before, I will catch myself sometimes. I make a very conscious effort to make sure that I identify him when I'm talking to other people as who he is, which is mm-hmm. male and Tyler and so on. Mm-hmm. There are times where I will write posts um, on Facebook with memories or whatever, and I'll tag a memory and it's a super cute picture of, of her all dressed up for school or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, I remember this day. Cause I did her hair and so on. And I think, can I post this? Like, yeah. how do I, how do I address this? Uh-huh. No, that's who she was at the time. And, and he's okay with that. I was right? going to say, I, 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 he's, he's totally okay with that. Um, for all the things that he's put me through and we, and, and we'll, we will probably talk a little bit about them because there are some things that I want to make sure I get across in this podcast in that I take some responsibility for who he is and, and the decisions that he's made, but he is also a grown adult with his own decisions and he needs to own those. And I'm, and I certainly as his dad, am not going to excuse those. Sure. sure. Um, but for, for those purposes, he has been very understanding of my just lack of sometimes just being dad and going, you're still my baby girl and my firstborn. And I, that I brought home an address, right? Like, right. right. I, he gets that, you know what I mean? And, and, and there's, and and I'm, I'm not calling your dad homophobic or, or I don't know you know, transphobic or anything like that, but there's still a lot of Melvin in you that probably comes out too. Right. That like my dad was Melvin was probably more progressive than I was. Okay. I mean, he, he was very tolerant of it, but right in that scheme of things, an older generation may not fully understand it. My mom, who my mom came over, uh, her birthday was two weeks ago and she came over and we FaceTimed Tyler and Caitlin. Um, cause Tyler at the time was positive, was COVID positive and was in his house and Caitlin was still up at school. Mm-hmm. And I, and I told my mom, I said, we're going to call Tyler. And she goes, I just can't call him that. I I know, I know that that's who he is, but I just, I, he'll, he'll always be Tay to me. Mom, it's fine. He, <laughs> you're his grandmother. He doesn't care. Right? <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's that, by the way, that's a whole separate thing that I have learned. Uh, is the relationship uh, <laughs> uh, having a kid and seeing my mom with with my kid? Uh, very hey, watch out, watch out, watch out, Chris, because you are very soon. I'm not, I don't want to say very soon. I'm I'm not like spoiling anything, but I'm just saying it's not going to be that far bef- before you're a grandpa, and the difference between a relationship. With a parent and their child, and a parent and a grandparent and their grandchild is like night and day difference. Oh, but it go, but it goes both ways. Like, like when when you are a grandkid and loved, it doesn't matter if your grandma doesn't understand you. Right. You know your grandma loves you, and you right. love her. You love her for all her faults and all of her yes. confusion. You know my 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 grandma thought terrorists were going to take over Grafton, Iowa. That fucking shit was not ever going to happen. <laughs> but it's, there's like 240 people in the town. There's no terrorists that are targeting Grafton, Iowa. 
but I loved her so much because she what she cared about was passionate and because I knew that no matter if she understood I, I, I didn't get a tattoo until after my grandma passed and I can only imagine what my grandma would have done if she would have seen my tattoo which is a really mild thing by today's standards but at the time I, you know but I am sure that that Tyler and, and his relationship with your mom is just a different oh. thing I two stories. So we'll tell two stories. So we'll we'll lighten it up a little bit. I <laughs> I picked up Taylor from my mom and dad's house one time. They watched her all the time. And uh I don't know, Taylor was jacking around, wasn't doing yeah, you know, I don't know. And I kind of got on her. I think she was maybe seven, six or seven. And I kind of yelled at her. And my dad goes, Hey, you shouldn't raise your voice to that little girl. What? <laughs> <laughs> He goes, you shouldn't raise your voice to your kids. <laughs> You're like, you raise your voice Are to you me now. Are you fucking serious right now? I said, <laughs> you fucking yelled at me every day of my life. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, and I look back and see that that was wrong now. <laughs> and I'm like. Did you ever apologize <laughs> for <what>? it? <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I gotta, I'm a little dumbfounded right now, I said. And then one time I go over to pick up Taylor and she's hiding behind the couch. And I was like, we got to go. I just want to stay here with grandma. She loves me. And I want to stay here for the rest of my life. And I was like, listen, this whole fucking thing's a facade. It's not the real thing. You don't want to live with her. Trust me. You don't want to live with her. Get your ass in the car. So, uh, so my, uh, my mom, uh, was, before she retired was an early childhood educator. Um, and so my, my sister who is a teacher at a private school in Ankeny, um, uh, she homeschooled and did a co-op and did a lot of other things with, with her kids. Uh, but her youngest son or her youngest child, who was her only son, um, you know, she was kind of focused on some other things, some other kids and some teaching. And so when it came to, I don't remember if this was preschool or kindergarten. Um, um, but, uh, uh, she, uh, she was teaching my, my, my mom was teaching my nephew. And at one point he came over for school and he said, uh, he said, can you not be teacher grandma today? Can you just be grandma, grandma? <laughs> and that like crystallized to me uh, the difference between, uh, you know, kids see their parents as, a, a, even if they're they're the nicest uh, parent in the world, they still see them as like an authority figure and they don't see their grandparent as an authority figure necessarily. Um, and so, right, yeah, there's no rules. <laughs> you know, no, that, that's true. There are no rules. Um, so yeah. Okay. So by the way, we actually now have, um, a, a very special guest on our, on our podcast that I don't think she, uh, herself knew was going to be a very special guest in this podcast. Uh, but I would like to welcome to old man strength. Someone who is neither old nor a man. Uh, Caitlin, how are you doing this evening? 
I am fantastic. I just <laughs> actually um, finished my uh, junior semester, uh, a semester at Iowa State. So I'm home for break, ready to annoy my dad. <laughs> so uh, wait, wait, back up. Are, are you, it's Thanksgiving. Are you already done? Yeah. So Iowa State actually went back a week early and then we took no breaks during the semester and had a shortened semester so that we could be done by Thanksgiving. And so I won't go back for second semester till January 25th. I can see the pride and happiness on your dad's face right now. He looks very happy that you are. You should probably look up the definition of pride and happiness. (laughs) It's more annoyance and Jesus. So, uh, so Caitlin, what we've been talking about tonight, I don't know if your dad told you what we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, I did not. Okay. Okay. Well, so, uh, do I get a play spoiler then, Chris? Yes. yes. Okay. Wonderful. So what we've been talking about, we've been talking about uh, how we are dads, uh, how we are husbands, how we have relationships with other people, but ultimately how the choices we have made have affected other people. And we don't want, we've vacillated, do we call it regret, do we call it remorse? But the reality is, is we recognize that we have made mistakes. Uh, What I know about your dad, though, is he has never made a mistake, right? Well, Tim, I can't say that that's true. (laughs) Okay, we we appreciate you joining the podcast now, so... You may go back up and uh, do what your mother needs you to do. Wait, wait, wait. Can I talk about an experience that has uh, actually scarred me? If I, oh my God. I might say. I, scarred. Man. I, I'm not running this show right now. So I was going to say, Chris, as much as I want to respect uh you, I really just want to hear this. So I mean, yeah, luckily Kate, we only got about four or five listeners anyway. So we're all yeah, right. well, I know, and one of them is on the podcast right now. Right. So. <laughs> That's right. Our demographic is going down at the moment. So Tim, you have young children. Yes. Right? Yes. When I was a young child, I was probably in gosh, kindergarten, first grade. And my dad had been asking me to clean my room. Well, but I just, I loved all the toys that he had gotten me so much. I never wanted to get rid of any. I was very appreciative as a child. Uh, Chris, I'm actually already on your side for this part of the story. (laughs) Thank you very much. I already know what story this is. And I have, I'm already putting an asterisk at the end of it. I mean, go on, Caitlin. So, um... You know, I think my dad was working from home that day, and I came home from school. Sticking out of the garbage can on the curb was my Cheetah Girls guitar. And I, you bet your butt, (laughs) that I pulled out that Cheetah Girls guitar out of the trash can, along with the trash bag full of my toys he threw away Mm -hmm. back in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, to this day, I... I don't like to throw away things because of uh, that experience. It was just so traumatizing. Because because oh I wanted to clean your room. Because You're you now threw- a hoarder. Is that your story? <laughs> you threw away my toys without my permission. Okay, so you ever heard that that 
that saying there's her version and then the truth. <laughs> this is the truth. We were trying to move and I did not want to move all her stuff. So she had some princess outfits that were three sizes too small for her. And I threw them in the garbage. My only mistake that day was that I didn't put the garbage to the curb before she got home and it was still near the front porch. No, she would have never the known. Curb. The guitar that... was sticking out of it. That was your mistake. So if we're talking about mistakes that he has made, you know, throwing away my toys is debatable. Oh my God. But leaving the guitar sticking out of the trash can was his biggest mistake. Oh my goodness. That day. I stand by my decision. I was going to say. That is not no. one of the. I'm going back and changing. No, no, Chris, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend you, uh, Caitlin. You, you've listened to our podcast. You know that your dad uh, is brutally honest. I would even dare say sometimes unfair to himself. Uh, he's very much an, an open book, and I very much appreciate his sincerity. Um. Chris, you made the right decision that day. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'm saying. The amount of shit that she had in that closet, it was ridiculous. And FYI, she's 21 years old. I can guarantee you right now, the last time she went fishing was in June. And if I went to her car right now, those fishing poles are still in her car. Actually, the last time I went fishing was in August. Are they still in your car? Yeah, but you were <laughs> yeah, I love I love that the inflection in her voice was about to say but and right. explain away while they're still there. Right. Um, Listen, I also you know, have two prom dresses in the back of my trunk because you never know when the occasion arises. Wow. Um, Same with fishing. So 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 Chris, I've like this entire night I've been wanting to kind of reinforce with you and encourage with you that while I appreciate how open and honest you are and while you felt challenged by some of the parenting decisions you, you have made, uh, that ultimately, uh, you are a good, you know, like your kids love you and they, and they know that you love them. And so that means that you are a good parent and I'm very proud of you for that. But after hearing that story, I'm starting to question your parenting abilities if, you, if she still keeps fishing rods and prom dresses in her car. Yeah, I've been well, out of high school for three years. Listen, <laughs> remember when I said earlier about Tyler, how, you know, certain things that I've done have affected his life, but there's certain things that are just his fault because of the decisions he makes. <laughs> I mean, this is the one that thinks that the new karate kid is better than the original. So... For that, right alone, oh, calls her judgment into suspect. I was 10 years old when I made that assumption. I'm uh, looking it up right now. I do no, not no, think that you were 10 years old. No, you know, Karate came kid out when I was in fifth grade. Oh, man. I, I don't know. I don't, like, I hate to alienate our fan. <laughs> Singular. <laughs> she doesn't have anything else to do for the next few years, so. <laughs> what year were you born? 1999. Oh what! Man, you're right. What you're a 10. dad! What a dad! You're right. I listen. Don't, I was told. Don't ask told, me what. Don't ask me when my kid was born. I'm not going to. <laughs> I was told there'd be no math. Yeah, right. yeah, that's, she was ten. 
That's that's you what know, you told your last semester advisor, right? No, that was science. <laughs> Again, I was told that there'd be no E equals MC squared. That's, that's what I was told. also math. That is an equation, so therefore it is math. Okay, and again, we thank Caitlin for coming on the podcast now <laughs> as this has completely gone off the rails. No, I, Welcome I think... Welcome to our life. I was going to say, I think I think uh, the idea of mistakes uh, as a theme for the podcast, this is kind of perfect. Thank you, Caitlin. But yes, thank you very much, Caitlin. We will see you later. Bye. Join in next time when I let Joshua come down here and talk shit about me. <laughs> I'll just let my kids come on here and tell tell everybody how how, how freaking stupid I am. Yeah, no, I'm no. Hey, I'm just lucky that that my kid uh, is always in bed when we record this thing, so I don't know what to do. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, that's fantastic. But that, Chris, that really is kind of, uh, I think, a testament to. One of the things I think I want to get out of tonight, so we've talked about, you know, we asked our Twitter followers about mistakes that they've made and um, how it's impacted others. I think one thing that we need to do, I know I need to do for myself, and I know that you need to do for yourself, is understand that for all of the mistakes that we have made and all of the things that we wish we could have changed about the choices we have made with our family is that our family is probably the first to forgive us for all of those things. The They're the first to not even remember all of those things and the things that we lose sleep over, the things that we dwell on and the things that we spend way too much time, you know, I wake up at two in the morning and, and, and worry about, how I interacted with my daughter in X, Y, and Z way, that's already out of her mind and moved on to something else, and she just knows that she loves dad. Um, and that's not easy to do. Um, I, I'm not going to pretend like I can understand how you're doing that with, you know, you've been very blunt and honest about some of the struggles that, that Tyler has had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a certain amount where uh, our family and our loved ones, the people in our lives are better able to let us, uh, they just don't judge us for the things, they don't put the weight on us that we put on ourselves, right? Right, well, because I, I think as, I don't want to say chauvinistic, but as, as old school as I am, it's a male thing. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's a male thing. And it's, and, and I'm, I need to take care of everything in this family. It's ingrained in me. That that's my responsibility. Between, so, between the, I'm the dad and I'm the leader of the household. And like you said, just the male tendency of, I want to fix everything. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so it's not even just about, uh, Hey, I'm the leader of the household. If Stacy told you her hairbrush was working, was broken or whatever, you'd try to fix that. Like it's those silly things that have nothing to do with you leading the household or you. It's just this inherent nature to just make things better. Well, I mean, I don't know, she listens to this. Don't don't say things like that because she's still waiting on the dryer to get fixed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, no, 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 no. Trust me, I, I get that. There, there is an entire. But in theory, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> there's no, 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 th- no. There's an inherent thing to make things better that you want to make things better. Right. Uh, right. No, no. Good. No, tr- trust me, I, I get that. Uh, we talked several weeks ago about uh, a living room project that I'm ostensibly working on, and I, I, I still am. Um, just very deliberately, uh, with a lot of deliberate, slow, patient choices. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I get, I get that. No, absolutely. No, oh. I, I totally get it. And, and, and it is our inherent way to fix it. And I, and I'll kind of wrap it up with Tyler in discussion with Tyler when it comes to fix it is, is that there for a while I was in the mode of always trying to then make up for those mistakes that I made as, as he got older and made mistakes like not sticking with the job and moving from couch to couch to friend to friend, he would get into situations where I would be like, come home, you can come home. I'm never going to not let you have a place to stay and, and we'll take care of things. And then I would help him get back on his feet. I would help him find a job here. I would do this and I would do that. And then boom, two or three months later, he was ready to bail again. Mm-hmm. And it would break my heart. And then I would not talk to him for a while. And then he would do his own thing. And then he'd get into the part where he was failing again and I would have to bring him home. Mm-hmm. And part of that is me trying to fix it all the time and me trying to fix it. And I would think to myself, I can't let him fail. Like, what am I, what am I going to do if I wake up some morning and he's dead in the street because nobody else took care of him? I'd never be able to live myself with that. But I'm not helping him. By bailing him out all the time. It, it's one of those things that, Chris, I'm not looking forward to as my daughter gets older. That that I have I have no other choice but then to look at someone like you and realize that, you know, as much as I can say, hey, you know what? My daughter can jump off the couch all she wants. She's going to learn. She's going to hurt herself. But I also don't want to drive her to the emergency room with a broken arm. Like, like there's there's this balance between, like, letting them learn how to fail and giving them right the freedom to fail and protecting. And I don't, I don't know. I, I do not know where the line is think, between letting them have the freedom to fail and protecting them from failure. And I don't know what that is. I don't know. I, I think I found the line this summer for me and it was a long time coming. Sure. He, he moved back in, he moved to, to water. He was in a house last year and he had a falling out with roommates. He hadn't been working. He couldn't keep a job. And he moved to Waterloo to move in with some friends in Waterloo that he had met online. Yep. And it was a mistake. I, you shouldn't move there, but, but I, you can't come home. Like I can't let you come home. Yeah. So it was like a month and a half and things had felt terrible up there. And I, and he called me crying begging to come home, promised that he would follow all the rules. And I, and I said, okay, you can come home. So he came home. He, he was good for a good month or so. He got a job. I helped him get a job. And then COVID hit and he lost his job. Mm-hmm. And of course he couldn't go anywhere. So then he ended up um, finding a job here in Norwalk after that. And he came, I came home one day and he's like, Hey, I talked to my friends in Waterloo and I'm going to move back up there. And I was like, why would you do that? You're just now getting to the point where we're getting your paperwork in order for your disability. Cause she's got some physical problems as well. Mm-hmm. And 
and you know, you're working and things are going good and you're going to save some money and we'll help you get it. Why do you want to throw it all away? And, and he's like, I just want to, I, I just want to, I want to be on my own. I want to be on my own. And I remember I left the house. I was crying. I was like, I, I was a total failure. I called my, my sister to have her talk me off the ledge. Cause I just, I was at, that was one of the times I needed to talk to Melvin. Mm-hmm. Like I needed my dad. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, so I remember I came home and we were going to go on vacation. It was the first vacation we were going to go on all as a family. He hadn't went on a vacation with us for four years and we were going to go to Alabama and go to the beach and so on. And I said, just think about it. Just keep working. And then when we get back from vacation, just think about what you're going to do. So he did. And then he decided like the, the next weekend after we got back from vacation, he wanted to move to Waterloo. So I was like, all right, I'll drive you. But if this doesn't work, you can't come home. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I know. Tim, we get up there and I pull into the house and I walk in the house and it's like a punch to the face of cat piss and terrible. And I was like, I walked back out of the house. I pulled him out. I said, you can't live here. Mm-hmm. Said you, you please, I'm begging you get back in the car. Yeah. And he wouldn't do it. I just want to be with my friends. And I, and I remember at that point I, I, I flipped the switch. I dropped a shit. I got in a car and I called Stacy and I said, I'm not responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, that's not on anything that I've ever done. Yeah. yeah. Anybody in their right mind would not let choose to live there over where he was living before. Yeah. He's making a choice and he's going to have to live with it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a month and he called me and yeah. I said, you can't come home. I said, you need to find a place to stay. I'll come and get you because I don't want you to be in a bad environment, but I'll be damned if you're going to move in with me, you need to figure something out. Mm-hmm. And he moved in with a friend here in Des Moines. And then I helped him find this place in this counseling home mm-hmm. that he's entered a year program of counseling and classes on how to be a better adult on how to finance his money on how to just transition that a normal, like Caitlin is becoming an adult just on her own, right? Like everybody else does. Tyler can't do that. And this house is in this home is helping him. And he's been there since, since September. And he called me about a half an hour ago. He got off work. He's going back to his house. I'm going to go pick him up. He's going to spend the day over here for Thanksgiving, but he's, it's like a different kid. But I had a conversation with my friend, Mark, who unfortunately had his son pass away and kind of in the same deal. He, he wouldn't listen and whatever. And Mark said, I remember having a conversation with Mark and Mark said, I know, I know what it's like to bury a kid and not help them. And I'm telling you as harsh as this sounds, you're doing the right thing by making him make his decisions because you're, you're not helping him by bailing him out every time. He said, do I wish that my son was still here? Absolutely. But if I would have done that, if I would have kept bailing him out, he probably wouldn't have lived as long as he did. Mm-hmm. He's like, you, you, you're, of course I feel terrible, but I'm telling you as a parent that's going through it, you're doing the right thing by making them stand on their own two feet. And it's the hardest thing that you can do. And yes, do I sometimes feel like I'm making a mistake? I do. But this is the one time that I almost feel at peace with it. Does that make I, sense? No, I no, it, Chris, it, it absolutely does. I, this is going to sound weird, but when you moved Tyler into 
his housing situation that he's in now. When you moved him into uh, this facility to help him kind of manage all of this stuff, uh, I could get a sense of pride that you had. Um, yeah. And I was proud of you. I was proud for you. I very much felt... Um, I, seriously, there was a part of me that I like. I didn't even know how to to tell you. Like, hell yes, I'm so proud of you. I want to give you all a big hug right now. Like, um, you guys are doing the right thing, and I know it's not the easy thing, um, and it's it's not the thing that is the the feel good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like there are some things you want to do that are just going to make you feel better and going to make your kid feel better. And when your kid feels good, you're going to feel good. Yeah. Uh, And that's one thing that's very difficult to learn as a parent is that, is that because the, the, the joy your kid feels at anything and the joy that gives you, I mean, that's, that's like crack, man. That's like when, when your kid is happy, and you feel like you facilitated happiness for your kid. Uh, that is addictive, and you and you want to have that feeling again. And so you you chase that feeling, but your job isn't your job isn't good feelings, right? It's right feelings and right decisions, right? And that is that's scary, and it, it gets even. Dude, like a, a scarier part, like for you, like like Tyler's an adult, yeah, uh, for all intents and purposes, but it still needs guidance, right? Yeah. And so, we, and so now you've taken over this role that's just like, like it's still parental, but it's less like guardianship and more mentorship in the way of of mm-hmm. parenting. You know what I mean? Like it's they're they're both parental abilities, but one's guardianship, one's now like mentorship. And so now what you've had to do is like mentorship and help Tyler get into those things. And I have to say that uh I mean I know you're not through the weeds on all this stuff and I know Tyler still has his own kind of challenges to work with. But man, the pride that you had when when you realized this is a good thing for him and he is going to get on a good path and that you are doing the right thing. Uh I there was a, there was a part of me that was like heartbroken for you because I know that this was not like an easy and comfortable and quick decision to come through but there was a lot of me that was really excited for you because I knew that you were helping him be a better person and I was so proud of you and I was so proud of him and and it was it was humbling to me frankly because you you handled it with more grace and dignity than, than I could imagine and that was amazing well thank you very much that 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 means a lot to me. I I just remember thinking, oh my God, I think this might be it. Like the things that fell into place for this. He had been living in this apartment with his friend when we were trying to get it, you know, set up. And there's several homes in the Des Moines area. And when the counselor and we got everything going, and he's like, and the counselor was like, well, 
I can place him in this house, which is blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, my God, that's like 15 minutes walk from where he works. Mm-hmm. Like it could have been anywhere in Des Moines. And, then, you know, it, it could have been on the south side. Well, now he'd have to take a bus and we had that. But it was 15 minute walking distance from his house. So it was all you know, just serendipitous. Yeah. Work, right. Like it would just all kind of fell into place. And perfect. And I, and it, it, I, and these people, you know, will, will help him. And he's, and he just sounds different on the phone. And I, and I, and, and I've, I told my wife, I said, you know, I get into this place where I, I feel I start to get excited for him and I start to, 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 to get excited that, oh, this is finally going to be it. And then sometimes I get my heart broken, but I just feel like this time is not that case. Right. And there, and, and a lot of times I will have conversations and we'll talk about, like he had missed a bunch of work money or a bunch of bunch of time for work and whatever. And, and, and he was like, well, I'm out for three weeks. And I was like, well, where are you out for three weeks? And they're like, well, that's what they told me. And I was like, well, that doesn't even make any sense. And I could feel my, my dad mode going in and go, well, you need to call them and you need to do this and you need to do that. And instead I was like, okay, well, I'll let you take care of it. That's, that's one of the hardest things, right? Yeah. Is when you go, okay, well, I need to let go and just let you figure it out. And yeah. figured out. And she went back to work today and she's still got a place to live and she's got groceries and so, she figured it out. So that's that's one thing that like, you know, as we talk about all this stuff, right? Um I don't I don't know if if Tyler knows that we're talking about him. Um but I know that your family knows that 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 we've we've brought this up and I know that well, first of all, just from what I can tell from uh, your family, uh, you know, Caitlin and Stacy, they know that 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 you're doing the right things, and I can even tell, uh, you know, when the when you shared that that Tyler was moving to to this facility, that I know that everyone knows that your heart is in the right place. I know, first of all, I know you because you, I just know you're a good person. And I and I just love you as a person, but I know that like your heart is in the right place. And sometimes, uh, you know, we talk about regrets, and sometimes part of that is not that we made bad choices, but sometimes our best intentions still led into the wrong consequences, right? Um, but I know that I'm confident that uh, the way that you're leading now is from experience and knowledge, and that. I'm confident that that Tyler understands that. I'm, I'm confident, certainly, that that Stacy and Caitlin understand all of this, and it's not an easy decision to make. But man, it's. I think maybe that's the lesson to get all of this is that sometimes the, the lesson that you get out of this isn't regret or remorse. Right? We started this off talking about regret and remorse, and I think the thing is. Um, that it's neither about regret nor remorse. It's more about, okay, well, now there's a new challenge. I'm better equipped for the new challenge. And maybe that's the way I need to be approaching these things with my with my daughter, right? So I have a lot of regret and remorse for the way that her mother and I split up. But maybe I have a new way that I can approach the challenges that she's going to face or that she's facing right now with you know school being in school, not in school, in school, not in school, like all of those things. It's that I'm learning 
new ways to navigate these things uh, that I'm maybe I didn't handle the past situation right, but now there's a new challenge that's unique that I hadn't even thought of, and I have a better lens to approach that. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. That, that, that's a perfect way to sum everything up. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, um, Chris, once again, man, I appreciate uh, your transparency and your honesty. Uh, I don't know that I know anyone who is more open and honest. You even let your daughter come on here and talk shit about you. Um, and as much as I've been in her corner uh, tonight, I learned that maybe she's wrong about things and you're actually right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, maybe next maybe time. My, my big regret, well, my big mistake is that I, I've, I've given Caitlin too much credit. Too much credit. I know. Right. <laughs> well, you know, anybody that burns their eyeball from some microwave popcorn, it doesn't have all their faculties. <laughs> We'll tell that story next time. <laughs> Maybe we'll bring on one of the, uh, we'll bring on Josh and Jordan. We'll let them entertain the audience for a while. Oh, God. Josh, every time I get on here goes, can I at least come down and say hi? Oh, that's so, fantastic. Oh, so, that, that's good. I'm going to be doing something. So uh, I'm going to be working one of my other podcasts, uh, Bitter Units. Uh, quick plug for another Tilligate Society podcast. We're going to be doing something with, uh, with uh, a, another podcast for a, uh, uh, a a holiday charity live stream, uh, and we're going to be doing it, I think, via Twitch. And Chris, you yeah. and I talked about what the f is Twitch, and yeah. I still don't know, but apparently that's what we're going to do. So apparently, I'm going to learn Twitch, and I'm going to teach it to you, and so you can take it. <laughs> those boys and be like, see, Dad knows what Twitch is too. So Dad suck knows it. What Twitch is. <laughs> well, that sounds fun. I'm going to join uh, the group from uh, um, Culture Check uh, on Sunday. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're going to talk politics and some civil rights stuff. I told him, I said, well, you know, I'm the elder statesman, so we can talk about, you know, some stuff like. Uh, like politics and, and how that's changed over the years. And they're like, yeah, we could totally talk about that and the civil rights. And I was like, I'm not sure you know how old I am, but that was a little ahead of my time. Now I know that stuff, but that was like, that's, I'm not 70. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I still, I still just like the idea of an old white man uh, talking to these youths right? <laughs> about all this. Um, Wonderful, but, but I'm excited. If you guys have not, if you guys have not listened to Culture Check, please check out Culture Check. Uh, I had the very distinct pleasure of doing uh, kind of a one-off podcast with Arnold Woods about Prince because I happen to know a guy who used to work for Prince and record with Prince, and that was fantastic. And that guy blows me away and knows way more than I do about anything pop culture whatsoever um and emily is uh just uh smart and not again makes me feel very dumb on how much she knows uh it's certainly there's things that you know just because you know being younger she doesn't get but she's still sharper about anything else and has a much very much smarter take than i have ever had um 
I love Culture Check. Uh, Chris, you've also been on a few other podcasts. Uh, you've been on Matinee Baseball, right? Matinee Baseball. We did Mr. Baseball. They're doing fall fall type football movies now. So that's that's always one to, to check out, uh, especially that one. Uh, Sports and Corks is really good. That's with a good Emily's. one. It's fantastic. So, yeah, absolutely. Up and um, now is back with Iowa football. So yeah, yeah. If, if yeah. you're if you're into that thing, you know, which we're not. <laughs> Although I'm secretly hoping that Nebraska beats a man, that would be an epic meltdown. I would so be all over. Oh that. God, yeah, I know this is gonna this is gonna air after this, but or is it? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it it would be it would be a thing, and I'm not I'm not sad about that either. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I those guys have some fantastic stuff going on. We have a lot of uh, uh, great content. Uh, Alex Kukin always does the sigh by the numbers, where he breaks down the stats of an Iowa State game, and um, gives me heart palpitations every time. Well, because it reminds us of like the Kreiner and Walden years. And yeah. And we I don't need any reminder of that it's still seared into my brain. Right? Yeah. Uh, have I ever told you Tracy Henderson? Do you remember Tracy Henderson? Uh-uh. Oh, Tracy Henderson was, was a receiver uh, in the Walden years uh, that played for the Giants. Uh, he he uh, he used to ref my co-rec softball league here in St. Louis yeah. Park. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, you anyway. know, old guys like that, you know, George Condon's dad. George Condit Sr. played for Walden. Oh, sure. And I've gotten to know him pretty well on Twitter. I've always thought it would be interesting to bring him on oh, and see if he would come boy. on and talk about the old Walden years. And Speaking how of things old have changed. man strength, I think right? that would be great. Absolutely. I'll reach out to him. We'll see We'll yeah. see if we can't tease yeah, that for a little bit. Um, All right. If, yeah, if, if any of you guys have any other ideas for, for uh, topics that we can tackle, we, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, otherwise, uh, Chris, do you have anything else you want to add? Not at all. We're, I think we're done. It'll be my birthday, uh, I think, when this drops. So everybody take a listen. Shout a happy birthday. Subscribe for me. Us. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, man, I, I don't. I, you're, what is what is the, the, the fifth generian? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> you're I don't old. know. My my nutritionist told me the other day that he went to a sermon one time and the and the priest was, or the minister was talking about how the average male lives to be seventy. So if you break that down into days, I'm just now getting to Friday, which seems kind of morbid for a Sunday preaching. But <laughs> but then my response was, well, I really like to party it up on the weekends, so I guess my best years are coming. Oh, Chris. Um, well, so, uh, we have at least one more episode of Old Man's <laughs> so please give us, uh, your thoughts, your feedback. We're, we're very grateful for our, for all of our listeners. Um, again, please check out Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best damn barbecue sauce in the known universe at DeadeyeBBQ.com, the Tailgate Society at TheTailgateSociety.com. Visit us on Twitter. At strength underscore old. old. Is that what? Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, you, know, you can just search old man strength uh, or Chris Shipley or the very handsome Tim Johnson. Any of those things I think will probably uh, bring this up. 
but we appreciate it. Thank you for letting us talk about our mistakes. And uh, we will talk to you guys next time. I don't get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours, terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen, bloody murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin.